Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Homeworkies podcast. And today we have a bonus episode where we are putting on our listening faces and we are talking about the new romantic comedy Bros, uh, which features Hallmark uh, favorite Luke McFarlane. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun to talk about. This is definitely a mature movie. It is a hard R. So if that's not your jam, uh, don't listen to this episode. There's lots of other stuff on Hallmarkies podcast that you can listen to. But we're going to have a fun time talking about it. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner. And my friend Nathaniel from the Film Experience is here. And uh, thank you so much, Nathaniel, for coming on the podcast. Oh, I'm excited. Um, I don't know much about Hallmark movies, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I do love a rom-com like most people if they get a good one. Yeah. So what, since your first time coming on the show, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Um, my name is Nathaniel Rogers. I am the owner and editor of The Film Experience, which is a long-running independent site that uh, mostly focuses on Oscars, and but we also do a lot of actress-focused uh, work and international cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I first came in contact with you when you used to do that. Hit me with uh, best shot, yes, uh, series, and that was really fun. I really enjoyed because it was fun, even in a movie that you don't particularly like, uh, to find the your favorite shot. Yep. Like I I famously am not a fan of Atonement. <laughs> I don't like yeah. that movie. <laughs> so, but there's lots of pretty shots, so that was fun. One of the interesting things about that series, which was like we watched it for the cinematography and one of the interesting things is doing comedies because people don't really think of comedies as visual but they are that's true yeah that 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 is true and people tend to just not take comedies in general seriously especially romantic comedies yeah um and uh so yeah let's talk a little bit about this movie bros so of course it uh, was uh, written by Nicholas Stoller and uh, Billy Eigner. And he's, you know, he said a bunch of times, this is basically his passion project. Uh, and uh, he got uh, Luke McFarlane uh, on board for the love interest. And uh, he, uh, it was interesting to see Luke McFarlane in something, because I'm so used to seeing him in these Hallmark movies. Um, it was interesting to see him in definitely not a Hallmark movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but this is produced by Judd Apatow. And so it's definitely, if you have seen um, Trainwreck, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which was also written and directed by Nicholas Stoller, um, uh, those movies, Bridesmaids, then you can get an idea for this kind of style of comedy. Yeah, it definitely has the Apatow, even though it's very much Billy Eichner's project, it definitely feels of that family of film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you say you're a fan of Judd Apatow's filmography Um, going into this? Not necessarily. It's sort of like hit and miss for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, so I don't really have any like direct opinions of, of the style of comedy. It, It just all depends on the actual film. Yeah, I'd agree. I, some of them can be quite sweet, like uh, the forty-year-old virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not. I didn't love Knocked Up. That one wasn't my favorite. Um, it does some some funny parts, I guess. Um, 
but you know, and Bridesmaids is is good. But uh, what was the one with Leslie Mann? The um, this is forty. Oh yeah, that one got a critical drubbing. (laughs) That wasn't my favorite. (laughs) I didn't like that one. Um, It was it was frustrating for me as a rom com fan because for a while those types of rom-coms the raunchy kind of more um masculine and feeling rom-coms were the only ones that were coming out uh that we were not getting uh traditional rom-coms uh yeah. for for a while uh and it's been kind of nice this year as we've seen sort of a return of the rom-com which i to me makes a ton of sense because super cheap and when they hit, they really hit. So I I don't really understand why Hollywood has been so reticent to make rom-coms. I think part of the problem is um, Hollywood let any mid-budget stuff go for so long mm-hmm. that people rushed in to fill the gap. And, and so streaming services or uh, cable channels like Hallmark and streaming like Netflix, they took mm-hmm. ownership of an entire genre. Yeah. And so then people were so used to, oh, those are for watching at home. When that, that is true, especially about Christmas, because yeah. uh, the if you could watch a Christmas rom com at home, why the only reason to have something in theaters is if it was like super raunchy, like uh, you know, office Christmas party, or if it was you know maybe like a horror kind of element or something like that, uh, that. Uh, yeah, you just watch it on on Hallmark. I mean, and that's partly what was so brilliant about what Hallmark did is, I mean, they saw this uh, void in the marketplace mm-hmm. and they made content for, uh, you know, for that audience. And one of the things that, I mean, unfortunately, it doesn't look like this movie will open very strong, uh, which is disappointing. Uh, but one of the things I thought was strange in the marketing um, is that they seem to, and you see it in the movies well, but they seem to have this idea that that there are a lot of sweet gay rom-coms and that like they're they're satirizing and coming up against that mm-hmm. when there's hardly been any. So yeah. I, I thought that was a little bit strange. I mean, uh, Hallmark is just having their first gay-led rom uh christmas rom-com this year yeah and by this movie you would think that they're just like super progressive and putting out all these like yeah. um, which they're not and uh and uh they've had gay characters in the last two years but still not uh, a lead until this year and uh lifetime has had one gay mm-hmm. rom-com uh and they had uh i think they've had one or two lesbian um, but I mean, most of these movies are female led, so that kind of makes sense. Um, but, uh, they've only, so they've only had a couple, um, there's been a couple on Netflix, mm-hmm. but I don't know, but, just hardly any. Yeah. So I, I thought that especially the first teaser when they were like, not another sweet gay rom-com or whatever, <laughs> I was just kind of like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, there have been indies here and there that try yeah, to, yeah. but but they they're few and far between and and usually are not uh crossovers to where anyone other than a gay audience would really know about them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've uh there's this studio called Telio 
that um, uh, we've interviewed the um, uh, director. I should have had her name uh, ready. We've interviewed them and we've covered them on the podcast. But um, uh, but yeah, there's just you would think by this movie that there were that 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 like Hallmark was getting super progressive in the yeah. way that they kind of and uh, which is kind of funny. I I said on Twitter that I think that if anything, Bros movie gives Hallmark too much credit <laughs> <laughs> more than they deserve. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what they're doing is they're they're um oh what do you call that when uh two characters or two real life people are conjoined into one in a fictional sense. Uh-huh. Anyway, forget the word. They're doing yeah. that for that type of movie, but they're in, I what I sense is they're they're taking all of what Netflix has done and all of what Lifetime has done and what Hallmark has done and assuming that it's all one thing and everybody mm-hmm. knows it. You know? Right. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, well, I guess overall, what did you think about the, this movie is about this podcaster who, uh, they, in this relationship that he has with, uh, with Luke McFarland's character named Aaron, uh, and they're kind of back and forth. Uh, overall, what do you think of the movie? Uh, I totally loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was happy to discuss it on here. W- one of the things, one of my uh, uh, issues I sometimes have with rom-coms, even though I I don't have anything against the genre, is sometimes I think that they forget that they need to be both romantic and funny. Yes. And so sometimes what you end up with, at least from you know the number I've seen, is something that's sort of halfway for both. Or, or it's like romantic, but not really funny or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this one accomplished doing both, which is very important. And yeah. I think they often forget, oh, it's supposed to be a comedy. Like if they're doing the romantic scenes, they're not funny. Um, yeah. You know, or vice versa. And I think this yeah. had a nice balance throughout. Yeah. I mean, I would say that the Lost City this year did mm-hmm. a pretty good job, I think, being funny yes. uh, and uh, and also romantic. Um, but like something like Marry Me, that wasn't funny. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah, it, I times, didn't hate it. but Yeah, a lot but, of yeah. times they're like basically dramas with a few chuckles. <laughs> and then they mm-hmm. call them rom-coms because they're light, i.e. non-substantive. Yeah, and I mean, even, even though... Your, even your, I'm sorry, even your example with The Lost City is a good one because even though that is a rom-com, the the bias people have against that genre, they don't really call it that. They call it like an action comedy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of even some of the the classics of the genre, I would barely count as comedies. Like, uh, like, like I'm sleepless in Seattle. I think it's actually a movie about grief lost like it's barely a comedy. I mean, it has the the scenes where they're talking about old movies. And, you know, there's a couple laughs, uh, uh, Rosie O'Donnell and David Hyde Pierce, you know, they get some laughs, but it's not really, I think it makes me cry. I watched that yeah. movie, yeah. Uh, but, uh, we do get, you've got mail call out in this, which is pretty funny <laughs> Yeah, comparing it to grinder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love, I feel like sometimes people feel like the only way to do really good comedy with a rom-com is to go the raunchy route, but I don't think that's necessarily true. And I mean, I'm fine with it for this. It works for what it is, 
But um, but I would also like to see like more genuinely funny, even from Hallmark. I would like to see more genuinely funny uh, rom coms that don't necessarily have to be like the hard R. Yeah, I mean, I think classic Hollywood did a really good job of that. Um, yeah, but even at the even those aren't generally referred to as rom coms. People say screwball comedy, mm-hmm. but almost all of them are romantic comedies. Yeah, yeah, something like Bring a Baby or yeah. Christmas in Connecticut or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. they and those ones are genuinely hilarious while also having a love story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we start out this movie with a, it being introduced to his podcast. It's called The Eleventh Brick of Stonewall. He says that he has a million subscribers, so that's pretty good. Pretty <laughs> yes. impressive. <laughs> Uh, I I do think that Hollywood for the most part completely fails in capturing a podcast. Uh, I don't know if you um, watched uh, the um, sex in the city reboot and just like that is called. Yeah. That podcast was just to me, that's the epitome of like not getting like a podcast right at all. It was so bad. (laughs) I thought. Yeah. That was uh, a radio show essentially. Yeah, it was a radio show and it was so cringe. Like nobody would want to listen to that show, <laughs> right. in my opinion. It was just not not pleasant or funny. Or, yeah, um, most podcasts, at least, you know, the ones I've been to are, you know, people talking on Zoom or Zencast. Yeah. They're not really cinematic. There's not a huge team of people around. Yeah, exactly. Hey, this is Jen Johans, host of the podcast Watch with Jen, which delivers a steady stream of great movie recommendations, thoughtful career deep dives, and first-rate conversations with film critics, authors, actors, journalists, filmmakers, and more. You can find Watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts or hear us first at our Patreon at patreon.com slash filmintuition. So we find out that uh, they that he's been asked to write a, a rom-com a straight guy would like. And one of the themes in the movie is that uh, this whole love is love is love, that that is BS, basically. Um, and he says, our relationships are different and not all gay people are nice. Uh, and what did you think about that, like throughout the movie, that kind of theme, uh, him taking kind of shots at love is love? Um, I appreciated it in a way um, because even though love is love, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it is true that the queer community is different on a number of levels, you know, um, and it's true that there's more or there, there's at least more openness that relationships are not universal. Like, I'm sure this is true for straight couples as well. You know, one marriage is not the exact same as another marriage. Right. Um, but in, I think in the gay community, there's a little more acknowledgement that that's true, that everybody has their own sort of system and their own type of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, I appreciated it. But it also weirdly feels like something where it thinks the audience is way ahead of where it is. Mm. Well, the same thing that you're talking about with like spoofing like gay rom-coms like they're a dime a dozen. Yeah. And I've even seen that reaction from, you know, queer audiences um, who are, you know, before the movie came out, people seem to be enjoying it. But um, they, you know, people like, oh, you know, like, 
yet another, you know, rom-com about two white gay men falling in love. And I'm like, yet another, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm a white gay man and I've had a, just only a few of those in my entire life, you know? Yeah. Almost every one that I can think of has been some kind of like a love Simon or, you know, something like that. That's, that's, uh, that's about coming, that has a coming out yeah. element. Angle, to yeah. It. yeah. Um, even uh, the happiest season had yeah. that in, in series. and uh, and so there there just haven't been very many and unfortunately with this not doing well I hope that it doesn't mean we won't be getting uh, we won't be getting more yeah um, yeah I mean it was always going to be a risk because listen yeah. there's there's still homophobia mm-hmm. um, and there's still um, there's still the problem that rom-coms have of people are so used to them being a streaming and or TV thing. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the problems that you have in telling a, uh, a gay store, gay rom-com is that men tend to like statistically not be as interested in romantic comedies as women. Right. Uh, and uh and so you kind of have to make this movie appeal in the marketing and there's two women and Hollywood is traditionally terrible at marketing to women and <laughs> and they don't I, I mean for so long all the movies that we got were uh were for boys between the ages of 17 and 23. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, I think that, that that might also be part of a disconnect is that if they had found a way, cause I think it, this movie could appeal to women. I mean, I'm a woman and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I think that that may be part of it too, is that it's, how do you get guys to see this movie? Yeah, I don't know if you saw that promotional thing that Billy Eichner was doing. He was re- reviving his old series, Billy on the Street, where he screams at people in New York. Um, sometimes he has a celebrity with him. Um, mm-hmm. And he had Paul Rudd, and they were walking around trying to get people to go see the movie. And it was quite funny, but the, they would approach groups of guys, and they would hear the title Bros, and they'd be like, okay. But then they didn't realize it was gay. <laughs> So then there was these like confrontations about that where the guys mm-hmm. would suddenly their faces would change when they realized he was trying to get them to see a gay movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a shame because I think in the marketing, they could have shown more of the actual jokes. I mean, I guess you want to save, save some stuff, but, but they could have, I think that could have been appealing. Like the just jokes, like the Chris and Chenna with joke was hilarious. Mm hmm. I, I think, and that she had, she's got the rainbow dress and the stonewall hat. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. And uh, uh, I also thought it was a very funny joke with the NFL player who now can be publicly hot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, but there was a lot of, a lot of the humor was super specific to like mm-hmm. um, the, as you know, because you've been a guest on my podcast, we have that episode hasn't come out yet, but mm-hmm. uh, we do a lot of stuff about actresses. And, um, you know, there's this joke in, in the movie about a new a dating service um, called Zellweger. <laughs> That's for men who just want to hook up and talk <laughs> about actresses, which I laughed. I was laughing that so was hard. I was having trouble breathing. But, and like everybody, 
I everybody I hang out with thought that joke was so funny, but I imagine a lot of people will be completely lost on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, he, he is pretty like pointed in certain points to the, the satirizing the gay community, like you said, or even mm-hmm. just saying things like that gay guys are the dumbest or smartest people in every room. Yeah. Which I thought was, <laughs> was interesting. And just says, she says, straight people think we are smart. We're not smart. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I guess one thing that, I mean, I didn't realize, I guess, is it seems like that is the, in your experience, is the gay community as like comfortable with, with, uh, polyamorous relationships as they are in this, uh, I mean, I, cause I, I mean, I'm from, I'm from Utah, obviously. And uh, so the gay community here is still more traditional, I guess. Um, And, uh, and uh, so that was just interesting to me that like, is everybody just like having threesomes all the time? (laughs) Um, I would say no, but but (laughs) as I was saying earlier, it's still like, the, the love is not love thing that the, the movie is joking about and has a sort of a running theme. It is true that there are more open relationships in the gay community that are at least publicly open mm-hmm. as to, to straight people. Like yeah. I've only known a couple straight people in my life who admitted that they had relationships like that. Mm. Where uh, it's fairly common to meet a gay man who claims they have an open relationship. And I, I did think it was funny when he says to when Aaron says, you look angry. He's just like, that's just the way I look. I look angry. <laughs> um, so they have this kind of meet cute at the club. Yeah. And uh, Aaron is kind of offended that, uh, that uh, he, he says that the friend, I think his name is Harry or Henry. Uh, anyway, said that he was boring. Oh, yeah. um, and he's he's basically portrayed in this movie, Luke McFarlane, is kind of portrayed as sort of a dumb lug kind of a guy. Sweet. Yeah, like a himbo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, the one thing, I mean, we'll get to it, but I was a little bit surprised that they went on the whole testosterone plot. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I don't know. I would just, not that Luke is his character, of course, but I feel like that. I don't know. I just feel like that might be awkward for him to, uh, for that part to be worked in. And I don't know if it was really that funny. Um, Mm. and the movie could be shorter. So I feel like that was a little bit strange is, uh, is, is, is that just maybe something again that I'm not aware of (laughs) in the gay community's testosterone all the time? I mean, there's definitely like, a subsection of mm-hmm. you know I, I don't know if you've ever heard of circuit parties or you know the circuit or whatever but it's mm-hmm. like for the muscle men and the you know it, it's a very specific type yeah. of experience um i i've never had that I, you know, but, <laughs> but but i think it's becoming a more mainstream topic because there's been a lot of exposés recently on how hollywood is completely obsessed with steroids and testosterone mm. And, and the fact that like all these movie stars now have these incredible bodies that you, and they get them within like three months, you know? Yeah. Which is obviously they have help of drugs, you know? 
So mm-hmm. I didn't mind that it was in there, but I but that's a typical problem with uh, Judd Apatow movies, though, um, is that they're always too long. They're yes. always like, jamming like like Knocked Out is is a full half hour too long. Yeah, Knocked Out. It's true. Yeah, uh, and and I guess they didn't really have a a scene with them all getting high, which is usually that's usually a part of an Apatow movie. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they figured the um, steroid use was enough. Yeah, so replaced it. Um, and in this meet cute, uh, they they kiss. Uh, well, they have a near kiss, and then they actually kiss, which seemed kind of bold uh, to to kiss on the first uh, when you're you're just meeting uh, to me. Uh, but uh, but I guess they're just very forward like that. And it's not like supposed to mean that much. I guess. Right. Yeah. And uh, he says, he says, no one is more emotionally unavailable than me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really did appreciate that in one of these movies, you have somebody who's uh, 40, never been in love. And he says, probably means I'm not the right person to write a rom-com. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've I'm 41. I've never been in love, and uh, you typically don't see that as a character trait in you know in movies. Uh, and uh, so I thought no, that was true. was nice. It's true, and you don't you you also don't have characters like even even the characters who are un- emotionally unavailable in these movies somehow have these relationships that they're either that they either have to leave to find happiness. Yeah. You know? they're with the wrong person or what have you yeah a lot of times they're with these bad we call them bad men of business yeah. <laughs> you're like why are you with this person <laughs> only cares about his job yeah <laughs> um and yeah we find out about Hallheart, <laughs> and they say we're always on the cutting edge of christmas and uh so that's a repeated joke throughout the the movie, and it's obviously also made extra funny by anybody who knows by Luke McFarlane and the fact he's been in like twenty Christmas movies. And um, I, had, you had asked uh, for the best of Luke McFarlane Hallmark. Uh, and I gave you a couple of recommendations, and uh, did you have a chance to look at either of those? You know what I ended up doing? <laughs> I I was surprised. I guess people who are really into Hallmark, all of you and your listeners, hello everyone. Um, I guess people buy physical media because everything was so expensive. It was like, if I want to rent a movie, which I do all the time, um, it's like $5 usually. or yeah. four. These are all like $8. Oh and, yeah. And if you subscribe to like the, the streaming service that has it, it's, it's like a live television service. So you end mm-hmm. up, or at least from my understanding, you can only watch what's playing right then. Um, well, and they, they have a, they have two different things. They have the live, like you're saying, and then they, they have, um, uh, Hallmark movies now, which is a curated service, but, uh, it's pretty limited in what they have. I don't know if they have either of the two that I gave you. Uh, What I ended up doing was watching the trailers to all mm. of his Christmas movies. Oh, fun. (laughs) All of his Hallmark movies. (laughs) (laughs) What'd you think? I mean, it, it was fun because I just thought, you know, I can I can see the appeal because, you know, it's it's all like formulas and subversions of formulas. And, and yes, you know, seeing how which, you know, every genre has, you know, uh, tropes and 
Um, so it's kind of fun to see that and re- and see how he's his character in Bros is sort of a variation on that um, with the the being like a lawyer, which he's seems he's played business types like that a lot, probably because of his very conservative uh, look, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it made me it reminded me of brothers and sisters too, because like early on in his career, because that's where I knew him from. Um, and early on in his career, he, you know, he that brothers and sisters was such a melodramatic and earnest show. And mm-hmm. that's sort of his acting style, which I can see why he was so appealing to Hallmark. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen brothers and sisters, but I heard, you know, I heard that, 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 uh, is a dramatic, good show. Uh, but, uh, my favorite from Luke McFarlane for Hallmark is, uh, one called the birthday wish, uh, which is written by one of my favorite writers uh, for Hallmark. Julie Sherman Wolf is her name. And she's she's really good at banter. And mm-hmm. it's about a uh, woman who uh, who is turning 30 at her birthday. She makes a wish and uh, she she gets a glimpse. Uh, she goes to the eye doctor and she gets a glimpse of what her life will be like in, I forget how many years it is, but coming up. And in this like vision she sees her with Luke McFarlane and it, who's a guy that she works with. And she's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was such a clever idea as opposed to like, as opposed to a, uh, um, family man kind of idea where you're literally transported into the, you know, into your future or an alternate life. Um, this was just like a little glimpse enough to kind of get her head going. And, um, so I, I really, I really think that one's very good and very clever. Um, so, and then my favorite of his Christmas movies is the mistletoe promise, which is, has a fake relationship, which is always fun. Yeah. And I watched why. the trailer to that one and I was giggling because it was like, the, I'm like, this is the plot of holiday. I don't know if you've seen holiday mm-hmm. Netflix. I think it was on. I'm like, it's the same plot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I love fake relationship plot. I mean, you can say that about most uh, Hallmark movies is their plots are very interchangeable, but that is also part of the comfort of watching them is, you know, exactly what you're going to get and you sit down and you get it. <laughs> There's something nice about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if uh, Hallmark is on the cutting edge of Christmas, but <laughs> They're trying. They're they're trying. We this this year, we're getting a uh, a movie called the uh, it's called the Christmas Sitter. I think is what it's called, or the mm-hmm. Holiday Sitter, um, with uh, Jonathan Bennett as our leading guy. And evidently, he has to watch his like nieces and nephews or something, and he ends up getting some help from the hunky neighbor next door. Okay, so, <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> Well, I will say this about, um, you know, I, I don't know about cutting edge, but um, I do think it's pretty wonderful that they that they gave Luke McFarland such steady work because he came out in, tw- in 2008, I believe. And most of mm-hmm. his Hallmark stuff is after that. Yeah. So they yeah, really, I think so they really kept his career like steady. And, mm-hmm. you know, anyone who knows any actors no matter how well you do, or even if you're on a hit series like he was with brothers and sisters for five years, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a career the next year. Yeah. It's a really unsteady profession. And so, you know, you have to hand it to them because like Hollywood in general has been traditionally very averse to casting 
out to actors in heterosexual roles, but he hasn't had that trouble. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And he's not the only one. There's others like Ali Liebert. Um, Jimmy Jonathan Bennett has been out for a, wh- yeah. a while. Uh, and uh, so, th- yeah, that is that is very true. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about these boardroom scenes uh, that they have. This uh, So he is trying to make this LGBTQ museum happen uh, in New York. It's surprising that something like this, is there really nothing like this in New York? Well, we have a, a gay and lesbian center, um, but I it's could, not really like a museum. It's not a museum. I mean, yeah, it's, it seems it's like something. Like a, there, there's a lot of meetings there and, mm-hmm. um, you know, events and things, but it doesn't. Yeah. Really, they have like little tiny exhibits in little rooms, but that's about it. Mm, interesting. Uh, well, what did you think overall of sort of these boardroom scenes? Well, I mean, that was funny? the most obvious, like scripted, like how many jokes can we jam in about different letters in the in the you know lgbtqia community um they weren't my favorite parts of the movie i was i was much more into the rom-com parts Mm. i think they could have been tightened a little bit there was definitely a lot of improv going on in these scenes and and again it's the movie was just a little too little too long uh, I think they could have been tightened a little bit, but I did have some some definite laughs. I thought that Jim Rash as the as the bisexual kind of member of the board yeah. was really funny. He was, yeah. His anger about it was really funny <laughs> yeah. because bisexuals tend to be very frustrated that people don't take them seriously. Yeah, everybody forgets about the B. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, we only get a week. Why was bisexual awareness week? Uh, and he says, uh, Bobby says, uh, it's a museum, not Schitt's Creek. And, uh, and then one of the the ladies says, uh, oh, you look like Eugene Levy. And that made me laugh. I mean, (laughs) everybody, it seems like everybody loves Schitt's Creek, except for Bobby. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but that's Part of Billy Eigner's whole persona is that he's also, you know, very angry and excitable, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You also have a funny scene where you see Aaron at work and he's talking to this guy and the guy is going to, he's going to die. So he needs to get his will figured out and he wants to give his uh, money to share. (laughs) (laughs) That was really funny and unexpected joke. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's got a big staff. <laughs> you said. I just, you know, I really thought the movie was going to do something with that as a subplot, um, mm-hmm. because uh, the Bobby character is looking for funding for his museum. Yeah, I guess the way that they kind of brought it in was when he talks to uh, the grape guy, so you know that he has the um, experience uh, yes. talking to rich people. I guess that's how they worked it in, but I kind of was expecting that too. I'm like, Oh, this guy's going to end up donating to the museum. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, they go on a date and, uh, he, Aaron says that his favorite movie is the hangover. And, and he says that getting offended is Bobby's brand. Um, 
and he was just joking about the hangover being his favorite movie. Uh, but that's when uh, Bobby says, you're a grown up, you're a grown up gay boy scout and I'm whatever happens to Evan Hansen. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, had a lot. I, I did think it was really funny. I was laughing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's, they're kind of commenting on the fact that, uh, that how Hollywood portrays gay characters, you know, sort of the gay trauma, yeah. um, and that you have to have a straight actor playing gay character. Uh, and he says, if they ever make a movie of my life, they better hire a straight actor. My life exists to get Benedict Cumberbatch an Oscar. <laughs> Um, but I think that that is, that is true. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about it with rom-coms, like yeah. they, the, the ones that uh, have come out have, have mostly been kind of in steeped in, in coming out stories. Not there's anything wrong with that, but it'd be nice to also get to just get cute little love stories. Yeah. Yep. Um, and time, it was for a long time, gay movies that were, they were either about, coming out or they were about AIDS for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then they became mostly about coming out. Um, Mm -hmm. They're usually dramas, you know, when we get them. Mm -hmm. I loved his relationship with his sister. I thought that was very well done and sweet. Um, And uh, his, his nephews writing the uh, report on Freddie Mercury and he oh, reads yeah. it. He's like, it's an improvement upon the film. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I thought their relationship was nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved so many things about this. It was overstuffed, as you said, and overlong. But but even though that was a problem slightly, it did allow for lots of different types of jokes. Mm-hmm. Ho, ho, ho. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcasts, especially at Christmas? Do you enjoy the holiday previews, recaps, interviews, and bonus episodes? If the answer is yes, please consider supporting the Hallmarkies Patreon. We need your help to do what we do both during the Christmas season and all year round. But not only do you help a podcast led by strong, independent women by becoming a Patreon, you get to become a part of the Hallmarkies family. Starting at only $2 a month as a patron, you will have access to our Facebook Patreon group where we talk about the movies, shows, and more all year. We also have many monthly patron watch-alongs with guests like Lacey Chabert, Natalie Hall, Paul Campbell, Mary Lou Henner, and more, giving their behind-the-scenes details of their films. As a patron, you also have the chance to provide input into the podcast and even join us at different tiers. So this Christmas season, spread some cheer to the Hallmarkies Patreon and become a member today. You won't regret it. Go to patreon.com slash Hallmarkies to learn more. That's patreon.com slash Hallmarkies. So Aaron thinks the museum's depressing. He wants it to be Night at the Museum with Amy Schumer as Eleanor Roosevelt. (laughs) And he doesn't know who Deborah Messing is, which seems unlikely. The yeah. show was on for a long time that you wouldn't at least know who she is. Yeah. But he, and when they go to the movie date, they meet his friend, Josh from uh, growing up. Uh, and uh, he's there with his fiance at the time. And then we find out that Josh uh, later that he's come out. 
And uh, so he becomes kind of a character within the story. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get this scene with, uh, so Bobby and Aaron are, you know, going kind of back and forth and, and, uh, uh, he Bobby meets uh, Deborah Messing. She's thinking of donating to the museum, and this whole sequence was very funny. I think, or she's just like, "I'm not Grace. <laughs> I'm an actress. I even beat Sarah Jessica Parker at the Emmys." <laughs> uh, it's just like les- lesbians have their stuff together. <laughs> uh, what do you think of that? That was. Did you think that was funny? I, I thought it was hilarious because yeah. I I've always loved uh, when celebrities do cameos of themselves and sort of poke fun at themselves at the same time. So mm-hmm. that was really fun because she's like, basically she's, she's being like, she's playing herself, but in a very non nice version of herself, which made me laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it, it was, it was very funny. She did a, she did a great job. And, um, so how do you feel about Billy Eichner and Luke McFarlane as far as their chemistry? Do you think, do you think that they had good chemistry? I do, but I weirdly, well, maybe not weirdly because he's done so many rom-coms, but I really, I really attribute that to Luke McFarlane mm-hmm. because Billy's whole shtick is very sort of monologuing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like from Billy on the street to the way he is in this movie, like talking on his podcast and like, um, you know, discussing everything very loudly, you know, basically speechifying. Um, and so that's kind of a, I don't want to say narcissistic, but it's very um, one-sided type of delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Luke McFarlane is very good at acting out relationship stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, they are really different. And so it would be, I think a somewhat volatile couple if it was to exist in real life. And uh, so that's, that's interesting. It was an interesting choice. I think that they made. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We find out that his dream in life is to become a chocolatier and to make chocolates, which was funny. Uh, And he says, you're a a Keebler, Keebler elf with internalized homophobia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so a lot of notes during movies because uh, you were remembering all these lines so well. Well, I saw it twice. Uh, okay. The second time, I had my notepad in hand. Um, uh, so, because it really is a movie that ex- it's not like the plot is that great. So, like, it really exists on the jokes. Um, but they go to Provincetown, and uh, they have uh, this is where you see him giving the getting the testosterone. You also hear Bobby singing. Uh, in the in the shower, he does have a good voice. He does. I, yeah. I didn't know that Billy Eichner had a good, such a good voice. I didn't either, actually. Mm-hmm. That was fun. And we basically find out that part of the reason that Bobby is the way he is is because so many times in his life he was told that mm, probably don't don't be like that, don't do that, don't be yourself, and so that's why he's particularly triggered later on when. Aaron tells him to kind of tone it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get this whole scene with Larry Grape, who wants a gay trauma ride in the museum. <laughs> <laughs> the great Bowen Yang. <laughs> yeah. That was 
really funny. Um, and we also find out this idea about confidence, which I thought was interesting, that confidence is a choice. Uh, and Saren says, you're the most confident person I know. And, uh, and he says, confidence is knowing you're the only one you can count on. Um, so yeah, I thought that was, you know, kind of interesting for the character and kind of building these layers of why he is the way he is. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's definitely ultra specific, which is good for movies. Yeah. 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 Characters feel real. Yeah. They, these characters, both of them had a lot of layers. Yeah. Um, and so then we, uh, we meet up with Josh again and, and this is at a Christmas party. So we've zoomed up. I, they have this threesome thing for some, that was, was kind of funny. Uh, but, uh, but Bobby says that I want to be the cool guy, but I'm not, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, uh, and we also get the, uh, whole heart, more whole heart Christmas. Uh, and I wrote, this movie seems to think Hallmark is more progressive than it is. <laughs> right. Um, so let's talk about this whole scene with Aaron's parents with his mom so he asks he asks Bobby to tone it down and uh, to basically make things nice for his family and I think it's not unreasonable for him to ask this I mean yes he shouldn't not be who he is but there's no reason why you have to be hundred percent on your first meeting with people, you know, like Mm -hmm. I I feel like it's sort of saying like when you're on a first date with somebody, usually you don't like show a hundred percent of your personality. You want to show all of your good sides, right? That's not you being a liar. That's you trying to get a second date. Right. And I felt like Bobby needed to try to get a second date with, with, Aaron's family a little bit more. And I don't think it's unreasonable that he asked them to, to just tone it down a little bit. Um, I don't know. How do you feel? Do you think, what do you think? Uh, Well, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I think one of the reasons that, that I liked the movie so much is in these situations, they are really complicated for gay people. Like Mm -hmm. the, the, the gay trauma, thing is a joke right the the, the ride of gay trauma but it mm-hmm. is true that it can be very triggering to hear tone it down because you know gay people are always dinged if they're too flamboyant or you know they're in situations like i you know you said you're from utah i, I went to byu so, you know so i lived in utah for years and there was there was also a lot of that you know mm, yeah like you know of of like people thinking, you know, even though I, I, you know, wasn't, you know, super, I didn't think I was super crazy, but if you're even a little bit like confident about being gay, it comes across as why do you, you know, it's like the very famous thing that gay people complain about that straight people are always saying is like, why do you feel the need to force it down our throats? You know, Mm -hmm. your lifestyle, which is not what people are doing. They're just trying to live their lives, you know? Yeah. So in that way, that scene was really interesting because it was very easy to understand both sides of the fight. 
Mm -hmm. Um, Like I agree that it's not unreasonable to ask someone to be a little calmer around people's parents, (laughs) but at the same time, I can see why, because they do a good job of character building, why that really threw Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. And in particular, the mom says, Oh, well, they're too young to, uh, to learn about gay history. And she teaches second graders. And I mean, the only thing that I guess I can maybe see a little bit of it is that uh, usually you aren't talking about sex with second graders, any kind of sex. Uh, And uh, so I think you'd have to find a way to talk about it. Um, And you could. It's not impossible. But uh, in a way that's appropriate for second graders. Right. But see, that's the whole crux of the argument, right? Is that people always interpret if you are teaching about queer history that you have to be talking about sex, but you, when you're Mm -hmm. teaching history in general, you're always mentioning, you know, things like, like if you talk about a president, you mentioned their first lady, right? That's not talking about Mm -hmm. their sexual relationship. That's true. Um, So I think that that's where some of the resistance comes in because it's just a way of shutting gay people up. Yeah. Like, no, we can't talk about that because it's not appropriate for children, but we're not asking them to, you know, teach kids about (laughs) gay sex. Like they don't need to know about sex in general until they're a little earlier. And then yes, they should. And this is another thing they say, Oh, they're too young to learn that. But the same people who say that are also, you know, often fighting against any sex education. Yeah, that's true. Well, and earlier, it's interesting that earlier when Bobby's with his sister, he's like, can we stop talking about that? Yeah. <laughs> and your kids. <laughs> right. So even he, you know, has boundaries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think you're right. Um, so Bobby ends up taking the steroid. Well, they have a big fight and he says, I'm not apologizing for myself. And, uh, and then Aaron, uh, because Aaron ends up kissing Josh, which was a stupid, stupid mo- move. Um, but they have a big fight and they, they basically break up. And uh, then Bobby gets the steroids. <laughs> and that was kind of a funny scene, I thought. Yeah. yeah. With everything. <laughs> uh, the roid rage. <laughs> 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 um. And then he's watching Hallheart movies and uh, he watches a Holly Polly Christmas, which that was very funny. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And then sort of this last part basically um, is kind of your more standard rom-com in this last part. Yeah. Because um, they've broken up. They're miserable. I really, I liked the conversation between uh Aaron and his brother uh, who's going through a divorce. I thought that was a nice moment between them. Yeah. When he's just like, do you love this stubborn little (laughs) (laughs) is cute. And, and Aaron starts making the chocolates. Yeah. uh, Harvey milk duds. (laughs) Yeah. Very funny. Silence equals death triangle. (laughs) And a tiramisu Susan. And of course, Bobby's like, of course, Aaron likes friends. Because <laughs> that's the thing with the relationships. Nobody likes all the same stuff that you like. So right, every right. relationship, you end up having to sit through stuff that you're like, why am I watching this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Um, so we get to the big moment where uh, they the grand opening for the museum, and uh, and uh, he sings the song "Love Is Not Love" song, and he sounds like freaking Garth Brooks. Like what? <laughs> I always thought it was impressive. I mean, I am not a crier in movies. And let me just tell you, I was audibly crying <laughs> at that scene. I thought it was so beautiful. Yeah. It's really, really sweet. Uh, and uh, and he says, I just really love you. And then he says, I love you too. And then he gets down on his knees and gets the giant ring from the lady. <laughs> and he, uh, he says, will you date me for three months and then we'll reassess. Which was which was funny, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean I, don't know, I don't know if you saw Fire Island earlier mm-hmm. this year on Hulu. Yes, but it's interesting that that had a similar sort of end to the main relationship. Um, yeah, where it's like, how far do you take like that? These two people really like each other, and they're going to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, how far do you take it without it being movie movie false? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for these characters, they for them to like get engaged wouldn't have read right. It wouldn't have felt right. Uh, but uh, but I also do think for you know for some people, the uh, you know short short relationships when you know you know sometimes and you just got to go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it just depends. Uh, but uh, but it was it was cute. And uh, and then we find out that they did the whole A Night at the Gay Museum thing, mm-hmm. which was funny. With Amy yeah. Schumer. <laughs> yeah, that's Roosevelt. a very funny uh, addendum. Mm-hmm. A little stinger, stinger, I guess they call yeah. it. And we also find out that Aaron's mom uh, came around and, uh, and uh, took the kids to the museum and everything, so... It was that was a sweet ending, and uh, and also that she gets she's a four on the buy scale or whatever that is. <laughs> she's like okay, <laughs> so there we go. That is the movie. Uh, of course, there's even more that we can't talk about everything. Um, there is a sweet scene where he to everybody in the in the boardroom he says, "You are my people," uh, and and. Uh, they forgive him for for freaking out on <laughs> everybody. That was nice. And I think it was funny when the the one girl is uh, posting it and he's like, this live apology has got 43K views. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but there we go. That's the movie. I thought it was really funny. I, I think it has two pretty complex characters for a rom-com. Uh, and uh, they had good enough chemistry for for me and it was fun to see luke mcfarlane in this role um so if you haven't seen it and you like funny if somewhat raunchy comedies and you're listening i think you should give it a shot uh and uh, it i think you'll enjoy it uh so thanks so much nathaniel for coming and uh and talking about this movie with me i really appreciate it um, it was really fun, but we, you know, we didn't even discuss the incredible attractiveness of Luke McFarlane. Yes, <laughs> I mean he is one of my favorite Hallmark hunks. There's no question. I, mean, 
I was there was a point in the movie where I was just like, how how is how can anybody this be, be this perfect to the point where his eyelashes are so long? I was like, how he also has huge <laughs> muscles and then he has these like long, gorgeous lashes. I mean, he's he's incredibly beautiful. Yeah, that's why I was kind of surprised that they went the uh, with the uh, the Roids uh, plot. I thought that that was a little bit surprising for him and his character. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he's super, super handsome and charming. Got a great smile. I think that yeah. that 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 is one of his best attributes. So you can see why he. I, so you can. I can easily see why he's appealing to the Hallmark community, in addition to being appealingly to the gay community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope he gets a lot of work after this. But I hope he still. I think he actually signed a an exclusive contract with hallmark so i think we're at least going to get a couple more um because i don't know if you know but uh there's this new the basically the uh the creator of one of the like founders of modern hallmark channel got got fired in um 20 um was it 2019 2019 because of a big scandal it was Mm. really it was really frustrating and i mean that he did what he did not that they got fired but anyway he got fired and so now he started this whole other network called gac and uh or or i guess it's ga family and so like all of the stars are now like picking sides oh (laughs) yeah some of them going over to gaf and some of them going over staying with hallmark and and uh anyway luke mcfarland is one that's staying with hallmark (laughs) yeah well so. they've been good to him they've been mm-hmm. good to him so. yeah yeah here's to loyalty right mm-hmm. so let us know if you're listening what you think of this movie did you like it did you think it was funny we'd love to hear your thoughts and luke mcfarland if you are listening we would love to talk to you we've tried <laughs> so come on the podcast please we would love to talk to you um so uh but uh but uh, thanks again, Nathaniel, for coming on. And uh, where can people find you uh, on social media and your um, site? Um, I am on Twitter at Nathaniel R. And my site is thefilmexperience.net. Um, we also have a podcast, The Film Experience, which uh, Rachel will soon be a guest on. Yes, it is really fun. Uh, and you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. Check that out. Also, make sure you're following the podcast, Homeworkies Pod, Homeworkies Podcast, all of our social media. And if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. We really appreciate it. And if you are listening on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate that so much. We also have our patron group and merch store. Check out that. And uh, thanks so much, everybody. And we'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye.